Good morning, every nation. Uh, Jessie was telling me she's become so famous when she's walking in a shopping mall somewhere. Someone will say, see you next week. <laughs> That's uh, every nation uh, celebrities right there. Thank you for pushing through the 94.7 this morning. We're glad that you could be with us to fellowship together. We know that a, a few other people are doing the race this morning. They need our prayers. We pray that they will finish the race in Jesus' name. Um, also, just a quick reminder, the foundations class, the next week will be the final one, and we're also having uh, baptisms coming up. So if you still want to be baptized this year, please uh, make sure that you register at the back, and we can uh, send you all the details. Um, just some family news. Uh, Pastor Roger and Nicola are taking a sabbatical. So uh, in every nation, from uh, when you've been serving seven to eight years, uh, you're able to take a three-month sabbatical, and you can be able to rest. So as a church family, we want to be a blessing to them. So I'm going to ask you not to disturb them on their sabbatical. Amen? Amen? But let's pray for them as they take the time out. They'll be back uh, mid-Feb, and we're looking forward to having them back strong and ready to go. Amen? So um, two other things I want to share before we go into the Word this morning. Um, I had the privilege of going to watch uh, soccer at a soccer stadium which is great to be out there, you know. Amazing when you see the guys singing from beginning to the end of the game, non-stop, like two hours. I mean, guys had drums, trumpets, and they were worshiping. It's not worship. They, they were singing some songs that are like hymns, you know, but I don't know who they are worshiping. But I was challenged that the guys can sing and worship for that long, and we like half an hour, start looking at the clock, you know. The worship this morning felt like, the, it felt like we can just go on and on, right? And I just want to say uh, to the worshipers, those who lead us, next time we'll just say, okay, let's, let, let's just see what God wants to do here, okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. I just want us to be open to what the Spirit will say. But one of the experiences I had, even though my team lost, yeah, Kaiser Ships lost again yesterday. I was coming back with my friend. We were on the Uber driving back home, and uh, this is where I'm going with the story. Even though my team lost, we shared the good news to the Uber driver. We shared the good news to the Uber driver, and we could see his countenance just uplifting as we were talking with him. And for me, that's the power of the gospel. Even though he didn't commit his life to the Lord on the day, but you can see something is happening there. And I was thinking to myself, Imagine a world where all Christians will just be on the guard, always ready to make Him known. Imagine how a world will be like when we can look for opportunities to share with our colleagues the good news. It doesn't have to always be that you're sharing the gospel, but you're just making Him known. But I also have to say I rejoice that Arsenal won. Okay, just on the side. In the first service, we had one of the guys who used to play for Arsenal, for real. Yes, if you know Terry Hinton, he used to play for Arsenal. So this is to say that God hears our prayers. Springbok also won, praise the Lord. Today, we start a series called Power in the Name. Power in the Name. Power in the Name. We've been singing the songs about power in the name of Jesus. We'll be looking at the different names of God because we believe that the different names of God carries an attribute, a character of who this God is, the God that we serve. 
our main objective of this sermon series is that we'll fall in love again with this amazing God. Our main objective is that we will go deeper in our understanding of this amazing God. That is what we are after this morning and this coming weeks when you look at the names of God. I don't know if you realize that most of the times when the names of God are mentioned in the Bible, it is because someone has just had an aha moment. They've just had an aha moment and they say, aha, God, they've just had an account and they say, aha, you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Aha, you are Jehovah Shammah, the God who is here. Aha, you are Jehovah Tikkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Aha, you are Jehovah. I forgot, there's so many names of God. You are Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees. That's what we'll be talking about today. From the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, it speaks of God as Elohim. Elohim, meaning the strong one. You remember that song that says, strong one, rise up. From the beginning of the Bible, God is seen as strong one or creator. In Zulu, they will say, umdali. It means God, the creator. In Genesis 2, he's called Yahweh, which means to exist and to be. That is why he says, I am that I am. You cannot describe him further than that. I am that I am. And it's our prayer and our desire that we will encounter the I am. We'll get to understand who this God is, the I am. So this morning I've asked Pastor Lereko to come and read for us Genesis 16. If you have your Bibles, you can open with us or it will be up here on the screen. Genesis 16, we're going to read an encounter of someone who said, Aha, you are Elroy, the God who sees. Awesome. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to page through to Genesis 16. It's always good to read from your own, uh, from your own Bible. Otherwise, we will be following on, on the screen there. Um, Pastor Saiz, you're uh, mentioning the teams that won. You forgot to mention that my team, we played uh, action soccer with the men in the church last weekend, and then my team won. I did mention it last week. Oh, okay, no, I'm just checking that we're on the winner's list. Uh, <laughs> okay, thank you. Back to the Bible. <laughs> uh, now Sarah, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. 
The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over he shall dwell over against all kinsmen. So she called, to, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abraham or Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Amen. Let us pray. Father, this morning we humble ourselves before you. As we get ready to study your word, Lord, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to us, Father. Reveal yourself like you did to the servant girl, Hagar, as the God who sees. Father God, you see everything that's happening in our lives. And we pray that today, God, we will walk away knowing that you see God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. So friends, the background to the story is Abraham and Sarah had been given a promise. God has said that you will multiply, you'll increase. If you look at the sand, you'll see the sand in the, on the seashore. God says your descendant will be as many as the sand on the seashore. God said to him, if you look at the stars, you will have so many descendants like the stars here up on the air. But as Abraham was recounting and Abraham was going through the journey, there came a time when both Abraham and Sarah's faith was tested. There came a time when Abraham and Sarah's faith was, was really tested to the point where they started doubting if God can come through for them. In fact, it's so interesting that you find that Sarah is coming to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I, I can't take this anymore. This promise has been given to us and it's been years and years and years and we don't see God coming through for us. And as we read in this verses that we've just read, we find that Sarah goes out and she makes a plan. She tries to help God. How many of you know that it's a bad idea to try and help God? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you know that plan B is not always the best? Because plan B has got a way to backfire. So we must be careful not to act when it is not God's will to act. We read here in verse 2, it says that, Then the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maid seven. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Don't we do this sometimes? When we become impatient, and think that God will not come through for us. Sarah, here comes, she says, no, 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 Abraham, I think you should sleep with the maid's heaven. Let's just pause here for a little bit. This was a bad idea. 
this was a bad idea. Even in those days, culturally, it was accepted for someone to marry their servant or take the second wife. But I'm here to say to you that something that is culturally accepted does not necessarily make it right. Just because it was culturally accepted, that was not God's original plan. God's original plan was for one man and one woman to be married and to stay together for life. Read Genesis chapter 1. Then when you read in the New Testament, the Bible tells them, Jesus explains that the reason why the Lord ended up allowing this is because of your iniquity. But it was not God's original plan. This was a bad idea. And I want to pause here for a little bit and unpack the fact that Sarah's impatience cost them a lot. Don't we sometimes also try to say, God, where are you? In the situations I'm facing. The good thing is James chapter 1 verse 4. It teaches us of patience. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Key word there is patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let patience complete its work so that you will be complete, lacking nothing. I find that at times we want to take the shortcut. The reason why God is uh, taking time to answer our prayer, there is definitely something that He's trying to achieve on the inside of us. I have said so many times that the, the time period from when you begin to pray for something to when the prayer is answered is as important as that prayer being answered. That time period is as important because God is doing something on the inside. My faith has been tested. Your faith has been tested. And there's a good reason why God is not coming through at that point. There's a good reason. You may not see the reason, but there is a good reason. Let's read it again in another verse of Scripture. James 5, 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmers wait for the produce, for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the later rains. Being patient about what was promised. You remember scripture says that not one of the promises that God made to Israel failed. All the promises that God made to Israel, God fulfilled the promises. So it is important for us to know that God keeps His promise. I want to share with you this morning, looking at this portion of Scripture, as we pray for the rain and God answers that prayer, we know that there are certain places where they, they still trust in God for rain and we stand with Him for rain to come. But I also want to speak to business people who are here this morning. There are times when you have worked so hard on that proposal. You've worked so hard on that deal, but it's taking too long for the deal to be signed. Am I talking to someone here this morning? You know how it's like when you've worked so hard and you're like, my goodness, this looks so promising, but it seems like the goalposts have been shifted. I'm here this morning to say, God knows and God sees. God knows and God sees. God knows and He sees. I have also been at that place of frustration where I'm like, I know God, you can answer this prayer right here, right now. There is a reason why he's not answering that prayer right here, right now. Can we be patient? Can we be patient? 
can we learn to wait on the Lord? Can we learn to say, God, even though situations may be challenging with my boss right now, I am not going to quit. Situations may be challenging with my, my colleagues right now, I'm not going to quit. Because the important thing is to be in the best place in God's will for your life. The best place to be is to be in God's will for your life. Unfortunately, Sarah's plan backfired. When Hagar became pregnant, she began to despise Sarah. Sarah blamed Abraham. We know this doesn't happen anymore, right, ladies? <laughs> Verse 5, listen to this. Verse 5, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I, not you, I put my servant in your arms. I think she quickly forgot. And now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. I'm sure Abraham was saying, right, let God judge between you and me. Not you, woman. But I'm here to say to you, Abraham was equally responsible. Abraham was equally responsible for this bad decision. As the head of the house, he should have even known better that this should not be. It is not supposed to be like that. So I want to take time this morning before we go to the God who sees, just to talk about this because Abraham agreed to be part of this cultural practice that is not right before the Lord. You know, some cultures still today, they practice this, that you need to sleep with someone first before you marry them to test and see if they can have children. Isn't it true? I remember having this conversation with my dad many years ago. And he was telling me that as Christians, we don't do this. But the reason why we have the crisis of fatherlessness today, it is because it is just after the woman falls pregnant, the guy disappears. I was at uh, home affairs um, one Monday morning, and uh, I was going to pick up my son's unabridged certificate. And uh, the lady who was in front of me was asked because she filled the form. And on the form, she had not filled the details of the father. And the home affairs officer is asking this woman, who is the father of the child? And the answer from this woman is, he or she, I don't remember, doesn't have a child. And when she said that, my heart just sank, thinking that how many children are alive today and they don't know their fathers. My heart sank because statistics show that 66% of birth certificates in South Africa today don't have fathers on them. 66%. It is a crisis. It is a crisis. It is a crisis that we don't have fathers who are there to walk with their sons and teach them how it should be to treat a woman and to treat children. I take this challenge. I, I teach my son from time to time. I say to him, son, the way you speak and treat your mother and your sisters, that's how you're going to treat your wife and your children. He doesn't like it. But I tell him, I say, if you're going to speak to your, with your mom like that, I'm not going to allow that in this house. We're going to sort it out. Because since he's become a teenager with, hi, dad, he thinks that he's now a man. <laughs> uh, you know, I told you the story. I used to come home, hi, dad, hi, dad. One day I came home, hi, dad. I'm like, what happened to my boy, you know? Just yesterday it was, hi, dad. No, hi, dad. So I challenge him. I say, son. The way you speak to your mother 
it just tells me that's how you're going to be to your wife. And, you know, he doesn't like that. This last week, I was doing a devotion with him on uh, keeping it pure. And it became so real. <laughs> I could see his eyes going like this, you know. One of the devotionals, it says, listen to your mother. He didn't like that one. My wife liked it. In fact, I went to my wife with it. I said, babe, look. It's actually in the Bible, Proverbs 29. It speaks about King Lemuel who says, listen to your mother. Son, listen to your mother. And he continues to say that because women are powerful and dangerous. That's Simon Lerofolo's version. <laughs> they are powerful and dangerous at the same time. And when I said that to my son, he says, Dad, can you explain the dangerous part? <laughs> I'm believing God for godly fathers. I'm trusting God for godly fathers who will teach their sons how to treat women with dignity and with respect. It was Apostle Paul who modeled it for us so well. He said to Timothy, Timothy, treat all the women as your mother and younger women as your sisters with absolute purity. When I read that scripture and I was a teenager, soon after I got saved, one of the preachers said it like this. She said, you don't think of putting your tongue on your sister's mouth. That sorted me out. So if I look at my sisters as my sisters in the Lord, I should think of them as my biological sisters. And I should treat them the same way I treat my biological sisters. It is wrong how women and children are treated as object of sexual gratification. It is wrong. I pray that godly fathers will rise. And I also want to challenge you, in what areas have you tried to help God? In what areas of your life have you tried to help God? I remember a couple of years ago, there was a lady in the church who was so desperate to get married. And she, 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 she left the church to find a suitable other in another church. Nothing wrong with doing that, but it's, sometimes you leave where God has placed you, you move out of God's covering for your life. She got married to a guy, and unfortunately today they're divorced. The lady is still our friend, and she regrets some of the decisions she made. But the reason I share this with you is anything done out of the will of God has got negative consequences. Anything done out of the will of God has negative consequences, whether we like it or not. I also felt, just thinking about this lady, that if you are single here, and you're trusting God, and you're longing to be married, wait for God's time. Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. In fact, I got this message from Rika, which I felt was specifically for you this morning. God takes a long time to act suddenly. God takes a long time to act suddenly. It may sound and feel like it's a long time. Yes, I know it can be painful, but He is the God of the suddenlies. He can act suddenly. And it was at that moment, I actually have taken time to pray that God will come through for you. I'm praying with the pastors in this church that God will come through. So if you have been single for a long time, we trust in that God will come through for you. Amen. Because he's the God of the suddenly. Yes, that God will come through suddenly. Someone has got it. Suddenly. And I'm preparing to do a couple of weddings in Jesus' name. 
He is the God of the suddenlies. Let's continue. Uh, you notice that's, that, that topic is actually my passion. Relationships and marriages. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her, to Hagar, now you are with child and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, meaning God hears. It means God hears. For the Lord has heard your misery. Verse 12, he will be like a wild donkey. Ouch. That's the kind of prophetic word I don't want to get, Brother Greg. He will be like a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility towards all his brothers. What an unpleasant prophetic declaration. What an unpleasant prophecy over a poor child because of the sins of the fathers. Because of the sins of the fathers. If fathers did not sin, the son will not have a word like this. As I've said, anything done out of the will of God has negative consequences. If you didn't know, Ishmael is actually the father of the Islam religion. The Ishmaelites, if you look at the lineage, that's where most of the Arab nations and the Islam religion comes from. So now you read a prophetic word like that, you, you understand why we see what we see today. And I was praying about this, and I thought I must give a challenge to all of us that we need to pray for the Muslim people to come back, to return to their original identity, which is sons of the God who hears. Sons of the God who hears. God knows their misery. He sees their tears. He sees their pain, their struggle, and He wants to restore them. Because remember, the enemy is always after your destiny. When the enemy is challenging you, he's not challenging you just for the sake of challenging you. He sees the seed that is inside of you. He is after your destiny. And the enemy knows when these guys are restored, we're going to take the world together because they are our cousins. Amen. They are our cousins. Hagar had an encounter with God, the pre-incarnate Jesus. That angel, when the angel came, it was a pre-incarnate Jesus. He came. And spoke with her. So I'm beginning to close. When she had an aha moment, she said, you are El Roy, the God who sees. Verse 13 says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. I, I just want to submit these three things in closing this morning. That God sees your faith. God sees your fears, your challenges, but he also sees your faith. I don't know if you noticed that when Hagar had run away from her mistress, had run away from her home, and now she's sitting near this well, and she's crying before the Lord, and she doesn't know what to do. When God came through, it is because God saw the faith that was in her. God saw that there was something in this woman. There was a seed that the enemy was after. And God said, go back to your mistress and submit to her. But God didn't just say that. God gave her a promise. God said, you will have children. You will have children. There will be a multitude. God gave her a promise and God kept to the promise. God sees your faith. 
God sees the challenges that you're facing. God sees all that you're facing. I remember a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we were uh, busy selling our old house. And it took about three years to sell this house. It was during the three years that my faith was so stretched that at some point I started thinking, are we really going to make it through this? At some point, I started having panic attacks. In fact, I didn't even know what panic attacks were. I explained to my wife what I was experiencing, and she said, panic attacks. She diagnosed me right there and there, you know. <laughs> She's studying psychology, so I'm exhibit A. I'm her <laughs> client. She sorted me out right there and there. She says, this is what's going on in your life right now. And she led me to the scripture. It became my favorite scripture for the season. Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Since the promise of entering God's rest is still standing today, don't fall short of entering his rest. And resting in God is trusting in God. Resting is trusting. If you want to Put your trust in God, it will help you to just rest in God. If you want to rest in God, you'll put your trust in God. During that time, I learned to rest in God, and it feels good to rest in God. My WhatsApp profile is rest in God, and it's not going to change. It's a reminder for myself. Verse 19 of Hebrews 3, it says, Those who were not able to enter His rest, it was because of their unbelief. They did not enter his rest because of their unbelief. The second thing that I believe God sees in our lives is the injustices in our world. God sees the injustices in our world. The scripture says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. God sees the world we're living in and he will use this injustice to bring a great future. God saw Hagar's injustice, the, the, how she was treated by mistress Sarai. And God came through and called her by name. I don't know if you notice as you read in Genesis 16 that Abraham and Sarah, they keep calling her maid servant, servant. But when God comes into the picture, God calls her by her name. That is something profound that everyone matters to God. And if you're not aware, she was an Egyptian woman. She was a black woman. I won't preach about that today. She experienced some injustices, and when God shows up and she says, I have a plan for you, because no one is left outside God's plan. God has a plan for Israel and Arab nations. God has a plan for the nation of Zimbabwe. Can I hear amen? Even what's going on in Zimbabwe now may look discouraging. Yes, that nation needs change, and we trust and believe and pray that God will bring change. God has a plan for our nation too. There is a destiny on this nation that the enemy is trying to steal. And let's bring it home. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And He calls you by name. He calls you by name. And finally, God sees our pain. God is moved with compassion when He sees our suffering. God is moved with compassion when He sees our brokenness and our pain. Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The angel of the Lord asked 
Hagar and says, where are you coming from and where are you going? You realize this was a rhetoric question? God knows everything. God knows where she was coming from, where she was going. But God was asking because God was after something to say, I want to restore you to your place in my will. God sees your pain. Do you realize that most people leave their jobs because they are either unhappy or they perceive greener pastures somewhere else? Some people, you leave your relationship here because you perceive greener pastures somewhere. But I'm, I'm here to remind you that the best place to be is to be in God's will for your life. Just be in God's will for your life. Because all of us are either coming out of a storm or going into a storm. Storms are part of life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But remember, I have overcome. That is why I want to submit this to you. God may not deliver you from your storm, but he will walk with you through the storm. Let's all stand and pray. God may not deliver you from your storm, but he will walk with you through the storm. God has an answer for your pain. God has a solution for your pain. God sees your pain. God wants you to draw closer to him. Because the, when you draw close to him, this word intimacy, it means into me you see. So when we get closer to God, as he says, I'm close to the brokenhearted, he wants to heal your pain. And this morning, I wanted to just pray for people, knowing that God sees the pain that you've carried for so many years. And God is saying, I want you to be delivered from that pain. I don't want you to continue to carry that pain. As we bow our heads and pray, I just want to pray for people who are carrying the pain of abortion this morning. Maybe you are carrying the pain of divorce this morning. Maybe you are carrying a pain of discrimination, the pain of mistrust, a pain of financial lack. Bring it before God this morning. Whatever pain you're carrying, God doesn't want you to walk away out of this place still carrying that pain. He wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we will remember that you are the God who sees. You see our pain. You see our sacrifices. You see how we have sacrificed for our families, for our colleagues, for other people around us. You see our faith, Lord God. You see the injustices around us and you see our pain. And Lord, this morning I want to say, Lord God, that we remind ourselves that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain to heal every pain. We remind ourselves that your word says every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord because victory belongs to our Lord. Lord, come and heal the pain of oppression, whatever pain we may be carrying. In Jesus' name. Before we close the service, I want to give an opportunity to people who are here and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand right where you are so we can pray with you. If you are here and you've never given your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, just raise your hand right where you are so we can pray. You are here this morning and you know that as the message was preached, God was speaking to you. God was tugging you. God was just nudging you and saying, this is your day. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are so we can pray with you. Just raise your hand right where you are before the Lord so we can pray with you. Thank you. If you are here, just raise your hand so we can pray with you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. 
anyone else who's here, that you know you are here and God is just nudging you and say, you need to give your life to Him. He is your Savior. He's here to save you. Thank you so much. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it down. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray for those people who raise their hands. May their lives not be the same again. Change them, Father, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.